Since the beginning of the year, we've been talking about getting the kingdom of God uh, that is deposited within us out into the world around us, into the community around us, uh, the, uh, into the people around us, the people over whom God gives you influence. Well, the scripture tells us that uh, in, in Luke uh, chapter 17 and verse 20, you probably have it memorized by now because we've said it every week since uh, nearly since the beginning of the year, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You don't get to just observe and see what the kingdom of God is like. We've discovered through studying the word the last many weeks that the kingdom of God actually comes through participation. When we participate in what God is doing, then we get to observe what is in the kingdom. We get to observe the good things of God. We get to experience the good things of God. So we've been talking the last many weeks about getting, uh, about be, becoming actively involved in, in what God is doing in the earth. For some people, that's very simple. Some people that are sitting in the room this morning, the Lord would be delighted if you would just take a plate of cookies to your neighbor and tell them that Jesus loved them. You would be stepping into active involvement in the kingdom of God if you would just express to that person who lives across the street from you that Jesus loves you and that you are praying for them. And then actually pray for them. Don't tell somebody you're praying for them if you're not. A spiritual lie. Wouldn't that just be deeply wonderful? No. You don't, you don't, you know, we'll just pray, brother. Don't let statements like that be a cop-out. Let it be truth. Anyway, that was free. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and, and verse 10, we are his workmanship, his design, his, his uh, creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God created you to do good stuff. Isn't that cool? God created you to produce out of your life good things. Well, I can't remember the last time something I did actually even turned out right. God created you to do good stuff. God created you so that out of your life could come good things that would bless others and you, and you. Now, we've been talking for, for several weeks here about doing good works and how that strengthens others and blesses others and how it benefits the body of Christ and how it benefits the church for you to be engaged and involved and that we're not going to be, that we're, to the best of our ability, we're not going to be that kind of church that we just come and we sit and we observe and we're taught and we go home full and, and say at the door, what a great message that was, Pastor, which I appreciate hearing, by the way. I don't know when last time somebody came up, that was a Debbie Downer. <laughs> no, it, it's wonderful to, to hear the good news. But, but we don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Because people who are hearers of the word and not doers of the word are deceiving themselves. It's one thing for the enemy to deceive you. It's a whole other thing if you just take it up. We're not going to be self-deceived. We're going to be doers of the word. 
What kind of person runs around going, Jesus saves and, and Jesus heals. Jesus is the healer and never lays hands on the sick. Come on. Uh-oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the one thing that there's, we've talked a great deal over the last few weeks about being the kind of people that are engaged in the kingdom of God, that are doing for the kingdom of God, that have their hand to something of value for the kingdom of God, that are, that are, that are doing good things in the lives of others in the name uh, and for the sake of Jesus. And we read all those scriptures that, that some of them we may read again where that where that, uh, that, that they'll see our good works and give glory to God, and that God will be actually glorified through the work of our life, through the things that we do for Him and for the sake of the kingdom. So we've talked a lot about that, but I got to thinking about uh, this as, as we kind of wrap up this, this talk about doing and, and letting God use us and work through us. And, and I started to think there's some good things in Scripture we better talk about because, uh, and certainly appeal to our Western thinking, what's in it for me? Did you know that God has deposited promises in his word related to you if you will be obedient to the word of God and a doer of the word and not a hearer only? Well, I don't know when the last time I titled a message what's in it for me, but let's go with it. Listen. Good works are important for the life of the believer, but I want you to understand something. I, I'm not preaching a doctrine of works that causes you to achieve some kind of favor in the heart of God uh, because you do good things. The Bible says, we read in Ephesians, that, that be, while, we were, while we were apart from Him, when we were dead in trespasses and sins, when we were distant from Him, when we had nothing to do with Him whatsoever, when, when He was not, when God was not even a thought in our minds, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that He made us alive. I don't want you to get in your thinking in any way that what you're doing for God, that what you're doing for the kingdom somehow produces acceptance from Him. You are the accepted. The Bible says you're accepted in the brethren. If you do nothing, you're accepted. Isn't that wonderful? How many have ever been rejected before? Not here. Not in God. He doesn't reject. He accepts. So the Bible says we're accepted in the brethren. So salvation um, does not come following good works. Good works follow salvation. A relationship with the Lord doesn't come through good works, but a relationship with the Lord will produce an environment of good works. How long would my marriage have lasted if I did not have in my heart to please the one who said she loved me? How long would that relationship have lasted? Well, we're kicking some 30 years together. It's wonderful. I still want her to be pleased. 
Why? Because I love her. The good things that come out of my life, the works that come out of my life for the sake of the kingdom are produced out of my life because I'm madly in love with Jesus. Because I want to make his heart glad. He already loves me. He already accepts me. He's never spoken a word of rejection over me, not one time. So now I just want to see him smile. I just want to say, oh, Lord, can I do something that would make you smile? Can I do something that would make your heart glad? That's what, where good works follow relationship. Good works don't produce relationship. They follow relationship. I want you to understand that. Listen. I want, you may need to write that down somewhere. Some of you Bible scholars are going, ooh, this scripture and that scripture. And, oh, you're getting excited just sitting there listening. So, salvation does not follow good works. When we were studying the book of James on Wednesday night, we looked in the book of James and we realized that uh, James said that your good works establish, essentially, the fact of your faith. Your, the things that you do, your faith will produce a work that will be evidence of the faith that you have in God. If I believe God heals, find me somebody sick. If I believe God delivers people from poverty, then I'm going to set an environment where people can learn uh, uh, what the Word of God says about their resources so they can come out of poverty and never go back. If I believe what the Bible says, it will produce a response to what I believe. Works, good works, out of my life are in response to what I believe. I believe that God wants to bless people. So I run around telling people all the time that God wants to bless them. Even if it's as little as God bless you. Sometimes it's just that phrase. I find myself doing that to repair people. They come and, and they fix something. I'm like, God bless you. God bless you. And they look at you like, I don't know when last time somebody said that to me. Well, you came up in my house, bro. God bless you. <laughs> so your faith is shown by the, by the response of doing good things for the kingdom. Your faith is expressed through what you do. And if you don't do anything in response to your faith, your faith is never expressed. Your faith is only expressed by response to it. That's what James says. I'll let you study that out. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because those people that were in my Bible study on James on Wednesday night would get a repeat. You want more detail, dig it out of the um, podcast. All right, but what about what doing good for the kingdom of God and 
putting my hand to the plow and, and doing the things that, that God has deposited in me, the abilities that God has given me, the gifts that God has given me, giving them expression for the sake of the kingdom of God, what does that produce for me? It does produce good for me, by the way. The Bible says that we are not to forget His benefits. That there is, there is a benefit to serving God. And we're not to forget that there is a benefit. I remember when, uh, when I was in college, um, and I won't get it totally into all the circumstances there, but I was bemoaning being a starving college student. And uh, I wasn't starving. I was living in my parents' house. <laughs> I have a secret for y'all. You want to go to college? Their college is here. Live with mom and dad. It's very helpful. Oh. Ben liked that. I don't know if Mary liked it, but Ben liked it. But I had an at because of growing up in, in an environment of poverty, essentially, I had an attitude of poverty. So at the, how many understand that if you have an attitude of poverty, it doesn't matter how much God blesses you, you're still poor in here. And as long as you're poor in here, you're poor. As long as you're broke in here, you're broke. No matter what God gives you, He can't bless you enough beyond your thinking. He can't bless you out of foolishness. Only the Word can take you out of foolishness. God can't bless you out of foolish thinking. Only His Word can take you there. But the Bible says not to forget His benefits. So first of all, I want to tell you there's an exciting thing called rest. How many like rest? How many of y'all insomnia people would love some rest? Well, I found out when I had insomnia really bad, I just got up and prayed in the Spirit. You know, that made the devil mad, and he's like, ooh, I think I'll leave him alone. He might break some strongholds. I better just let him sleep. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about the children of God, and it says that there is a rest for the people of God. Let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 8. If Joshua had given them rest, uh, then he would not have spoken of a day later on. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Listen, listen to this. Isn't this good? There remains a rest for the people of God. We're talking about doing good works, and here pastor's talking about rest. Listen to what this says. For whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works as God did from his. Why am I reading that to you when I'm talking about doing good things for the kingdom of God? Because there is, in the context of this passage, there is a change in priority for the individual who's following God. He has rested from his works. He has stopped doing his thing. And he's begun to let the thing that God deposited in him be the thing that takes the energy of his life. I discovered something. that The thing that God called me to do does not wear me out. You know what wears me out? 
Not the things God calls me and equipped me and gifted me to do. Those things don't wear me out. It's when I find myself giving all of my energy to things I'm not graced to do. Those things will wear you out. But giving yourself to the work of the kingdom, the things God designed and equipped you to do, how many understand that the motor in your car that was designed to propel your car does not get tired when you drive from here to Northern California? Because it's doing what it was designed to do. How many understand if you misuse it, throw a little sugar in the tank? It won't serve you very well very long because suddenly it's doing what it was not designed to do. When you and I, as created by the Lord, are doing what we were designed and equipped and graced to do, there's an energy that comes from it. There's a rest that comes from it. It's promised from the Lord. So he said that there is the, the person who has entered his rest has rested from his works just as God did from his. God was doing what God was supposed to do and he rested after. Listen to what it says. Let us therefore strive to enter his rest. Well, that doesn't sound very restful, does it? What's the Bible saying? Let's make an effort. Let's give attention to structuring our lives in a way that we're giving priority to the things that we were created to do so they don't wear us out. So we're not giving all of our energy. How many of y'all get into the end of your week and you're just like, man, I'm just worn out. There is a rest for the people of God. There is a promise of rest in the midst of the doing of the work of the kingdom of God. So everybody say rest. Then Matthew 6 and 25. Doing the work of the kingdom comes with promise. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. How many of y'all would like to be free from worrying about your life? Well, I have some help for you. The Bible instructs you to stop. When the Bible instructs you to do something, the grace of God will strengthen you to do that and help you to do that. So he says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, uh, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Oh, Lord Jesus, let somebody hear that. Lord, let that get in our spirit. That seems so simple. But yet, sometimes things are so simple and clear in the word that we just blow right by them and we don't receive out of them. You're more valuable than they are. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Can you make yourself taller by worrying? 
So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or they don't spin. Uh, yet uh, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. So now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What are we going to do? If gas goes to $13 a gallon, what are we going to do? Buy gas. Listen to what the Bible says. For after all of these things, Bible says here, Gentiles, for our purposes, it would say unbelievers, people of the world, people who don't know God. Thank you. For after all of these things, People who don't know God seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. There is, again, is he not talking to us about our priorities? He's talking to us about our priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the, the purposes of God in the earth. Seek first the things that God designed for you to seek. Seek first the things that God equipped for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we see that there is rest in service. We see that there is promise in service. And now I want to share with you that there is provision. There is provision. It was a great discovery for me. Uh, my life in the, in the early days of ministry uh, went in and out of seasons of, 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 of ministry and, and uh, being bivocational and serving in, in church work and, and then uh, being in uh, secular vocation. And we found that when we were serving the Lord with all of our heart and we were putting our energy into the purposes for which he designed us, his provision was greater in those years. We discovered that, and it was like an aha. Why would anyone not do what God's called him to do? He gets excited about it, and he takes care of you. 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace, every favor, and I'm reading this from the Amplified, and I'm reading intentionally. So to read it louder. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. Being completely sufficient in Him and have an abundance for... Every good work. 
You see, we need to get, discover something here through the word. God wants to bless us, but not so we can just consume the blessing. The blessing that God puts in your life is part of his equipping. The blessing that God pours into your life is part, in his mind, when he blesses you, he's equipping you for purpose. When God blesses you, I need to say this again, He's not just blessing you so that you can go, Woohoo, I'm blessed. He's blessing you in His mind, in the mind of God. He is equipping you, He's giving you what you need so that you can accomplish His purposes. When we cease, to be invested in his purposes, then we're surprised when the blessing gets routed elsewhere. Should we be surprised? Give yourself to the purposes of God. His desire is to bless you and equip you for every good work. When God blesses you, he's in the process of equipping you. He's in the process of equipping you. So that's provision. And then, I like this. We see that in service there's rest, there's promise, there's provision, and there's strength. There's strength. I just don't know if I have the energy I don't know if I have the strength to do, in addition to all the responsibilities that I have, I have so many things on my plate. And you know what? I've discovered something in the kingdom of God, and it's just an, it's a, it's an anomaly, it's a unique thing in the kingdom of God. The busiest person tends to get the most done. I don't know why that is. The busiest person, the one who has the most on their plate, seems to get the most done. In fact, the, Bi the Bible straight up warns against idleness, but I won't preach on that this morning. Doesn't it? You can preach on that next time, Benjamin. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, But God's firm foundation stands bearing his seal... The Lord knows those that are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are vessels of gold and silver, vessels of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honor or a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy useful to the master of the house, fully prepared and ready for every good work. Every good work. God has designed every believer, every believer, I love, I love, the, listen, you, you pay attention to those little, little words in scripture, things like all, Every. 
God has designed everyone who knows Jesus to be equipped for good works in the kingdom, and he's promised that he would strengthen you for it. I've always been kind of amused. Uh, there's a gentleman, many of you don't know at this point, many of you, some of you know Bob Curry, many of you don't know him. He's an elderly apostle that's been all over the world in missions work and preaching the gospel and all this. And the doctors have told him so many times that he was going to die. He's been told he's going to die of cancer. He's been told they were going to amputate his feet because of diabetes. He's been told he was going to die because of heart disease. And every time they tell him, every time he comes up against a challenge like this and they say, Bob, you can't go on the mission field anymore because you're, you're, you're going to have a heart attack and die. He's like, no, 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 you got that backwards. I got to get the work done, get out of my way. If you, you really can't help me anymore, no, there's nothing we can do for you. Then I'll see you later. Got to buy a ticket, get over to Finland and preach the gospel. Over and over and over again, when, they, when he, they would tell him in one way or another, we, we can't do another thing for you, he's like, well, that's the best news I've had all day because I can get out of here then. <laughs> you can't help me? Bye! All the medical folks over here are cringing right now. No, no they're people of faith, so they understand. And the Lord would heal him as he went. And he would come back and they wouldn't be able to find the cancer or they wouldn't be able to find the heart disease or they wouldn't be able to find the problem. Because God says that he will exchange your strength for his. There's an exchange of strength that comes in obeying God. You're no longer living out of your weakness. You're living out of his strength. It's just a promise from God. I don't know how it works. If I knew how it worked, I'd probably market the stuff. I don't know, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't work that way. He, ex he exchanges your strength for his. He takes your weakness, and through you, he perfects his strength. So you give yourself to the work of the Lord, and he equips you. You give yourself to the purposes of God, and he equips you. Great story from scripture. A little widow woman whose her and her son were going to eat their last cake and die. She had it all planned out. Come on, son. I'm going to make us some biscuits. We're going to each have our biscuits. And then we're going to sit here together and die. Doesn't that sound exciting? And the prophet comes along. He's experiencing the same famine. He's in the same environment that she's in, but he has a word from God. And he goes to her and he says to her, feed me first. You're all those preachers. How dare they? Feed me first. That's what he did. He would have really fit in today. But he had a word from God. And he said, feed me first. And I promise you that God will provide for you. 
feed me first. And she heard the word of the Lord, and she responded to do the work of the Lord with the provision that she had. Listen, if you have abundant provision and you're not invested in the kingdom of God, you are disobeying him. The substance that you have in your life, I wasn't going to preach on stuff, but the substance that you have in your life is an equipping from God for the work of the kingdom of God. And if you are consuming it all upon yourself, you are in disobedience to the Lord. Now, he wants you blessed. He wants you to have good things. Nothing wrong with having good stuff. Nothing wrong with that. God wants you blessed. But if you're consuming your blessing for your benefit and the kingdom is not being blessed as God resources you, you're in disobedience to the Lord. So she obeyed the Lord. She fed the prophet of God and her and her son and the prophet never went hungry for the entire season of famine. Everybody around was like, my Lord, what are they doing? They just seem to always have more than enough. You, you ever know anybody like that? They, they just always seem to have more than enough. They always have what they need. God wants you fully equipped for every good work. So he's equipping you. So it's time for you and I to discover what God has equipped us and given us the ability to do and to be in the kingdom of God and give ourselves to the purposes of God and allow the equipping to come. And allow the equipping to come. And then there's one more thing that I'll give you in closing. In serving God, there's joy. There's joy. I'm telling you, I'm having more fun serving Jesus. I keep running into people, and I think it's a religious spirit or something, but their walk with God is hard. They're singing, they're, they're singing the blues. Serving Jesus. Uh-uh. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And if I don't have joy of my own, if I'm in a season of difficulty, I just have to move over into his joy. God's always joyful. Did you know God is not depressed? He's not even worried. He's never been nervous about a thing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God desires to equip us to be busy about the kingdom, to be busy about the purposes of God, to give our abilities and our talents and, and the deposit of gifts that are in us, all those things that we've talked about the last many weeks. God desires those things to be activated in our life so that the kingdom of God is not just within us. The kingdom of God is expressed through us.